Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Cobra Kai crane kicks its way into 2021. Is it best to binge or not to binge with your favorite streaming shows? And what am I looking forward to the most in pop culture for 2021? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford for pop culture cosmos. Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, it is truly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend, it's our own Joshy New Year of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His awesome book, which you can get right now as a great New Year's gift. Congratulations, you suck. And of course, he's on also Topicocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast, wherever you get your podcasts. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Happy New Year. You know, it's funny. I always talk, and then I don't realize my microphone's muted. Happy New Year! It's that famous "What's up? What's up? What's up?" I know, I know, I know. I'm. I gotta make a new catchphrase going into 2021. Happy New Year, though. You know, it's everyone's hoping 2021 is gonna be better than 2020. We're all keeping our fingers crossed, you know. But here's to just taking life one day at a time, you know. Taking life one day at a time. That's all we can do. I wish you and your family, Josh, all the best of health and safety this year. And to everyone out there listening and watching, I wish the same for you all as well. want to thank so much again, everybody who listened and watched us in 2020, all around the world, on radio stations worldwide, everywhere you can get your podcasts, and of course, on Facebook Live and YouTube. We cannot thank you enough. We're looking to do even bigger and better things here at the Pop Culture Cosmos in 2021. And we wish and we hope that you'll be a part of it this year. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking about a lot of great things. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai is now on the air on Netflix. Season three has rocked the world as Netflix says, you know what? We're going to put it on just a little bit earlier than we had originally announced. We're going to go ahead and drop it on New Year's Day. And that's exactly what they did. They not only put one episode but they put all 10 episodes of season three right there for you on Netflix. So we're going to talk about that. And I know a lot of people haven't caught up yet. 
or they're actually binging it right now as we speak. So I'm not going to go ahead and give away any, well, I'm going to try and be as spoiler free as possible in my review because I've actually have binged all 10 episodes and I've caught up with it. So I'll give you the lowdown on whether you want to keep on watching it or you might want to go ahead and kick off somewhere else. Plus, we'll also talk about binging in and of itself in 2021. Is it still cool to just drop a season right there for you and binge away? Or do you find yourself wanting to go back to the traditional method like we saw on Disney Plus and The Mandalorian? I've got a lot of things I want to talk about when it comes to my most anticipated for pop culture in 2021. And I know Josh might have a little sprinkle left as far as some of the things he's looking forward to as well. So we'll talk about that. And on the back end, I wanted to go ahead and mention that Star Citizen was also supposed to be on somewhere of these lists, either dropping the end of 2020 or being one of the most anticipated for 2021. Now nobody knows when this game is going to be coming out and all the other experiences that are supposed to be coming along with it. So how are the fans of this crowdfunded game responding to the latest delay for Star Citizen? We'll talk about that on the back end of the show as well. But first, my friend, I want to talk to you a little bit about Cobra Kai. Have you had a chance to check out any of the episodes as of yet? So that is one where I've never actually gotten to watch the first couple of seasons. So I'm really behind on that show. So, I mean, go ahead. Spoil away, man. I mean, I'm, it's going to be a little bit before I get there. So go ahead. What are you, You're stoked about it. You're punching the screen. What are your thoughts? I'd kick the screen, but I hurt my foot earlier before we started the show. So I wanted to go ahead right now and tell everybody I will not go into major spoilers. Let's go a little bit back in time with Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai was a show that debuted on YouTube when YouTube was looking to do original programming. It was the big marquee show for them. They had a few other shows, but none of them have really lasted or had the kind of popularity that Cobra Kai did. Cobra Kai is kind of like the continuation of the events that happened from Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3, if you've seen those movies. This is like the, well, this is what happened many years later, could be the case. And I know I've said this before on the show, Josh, but when I watched season one, and I really didn't think I was going to be watching and enjoying season one, but they had a free preview on YouTube. So I checked it out. And I was amazed at how much I enjoyed that episode because I'm not a big fan of the movies. I've watched one and two. I've watched one a couple times. I thought even back then in the 80s, when I was a teenager, I thought it was super cheesy and did not even care for it at the time. Tried to watch it again in later in life and still couldn't get it before Cobra Kai came out. But let me tell you, Cobra Kai is the series that endears people with the Karate Kid movies. And even if you didn't like it as I did, it now makes you understand and makes you appreciate those movies even more. Even the widely panned Karate Kid Part 3, it, it does a great job of embracing what was so cheesy about that and actually enveloping it by turning and twisting it around on its foot who was the bad guy in the movies may now be the good guy in the series as William Zabka is playing Johnny. 
who was the bully in in the first one is now one of the heroes and one of the characters you sympathize with in the story it is truly a really fun series to watch season one i know i mentioned it as my best of television for that year i think it was 2018 2019 it came out for season two on youtube and it wasn't still on my top 10 list but it wasn't quite as good but the ending had a little bit too long of a sequence but season three is picked up and i'd say it's right smack dab in the middle of each i thought season one was outstanding i thought season two was good to really good i thought season three was right in the middle and it just way it incorporates the elements from the movies the way it incorporates the elements from previous seasons in the tv show the way it doesn't focus 100 percent on the characters that you know and remember it also takes a quite a bit of concentration and focus on the kids that they're training in the dojos in this time right now and follows their stories but doesn't go overly cheesy on the teen drama type deal makes it fun makes it light keeps it really interesting twists and turns about who's a bad guy once one episode could be a good person the next episode it just you never know what you're going to get when it comes to cobra kai it is actually a great pleasure to watch. And I tell you what, this season has started off on a really good note. I, I've watched the entire season. Like I said, I highly recommend it. And again, if I wanted to place it, I, I'd probably place it right in the middle between season one and season two. So is it accessible for people who have not watched Karate Kid? That is an excellent question. Season one is more accessible to individuals that have not watched the Karate Kid movies. Season two is also very much in that same fashion. Season three, because the blending in of more characters from the, let's say, legacy characters of the past movies and the blending in more of that, you will probably have to watch the movies at some point in time to help better educate yourself in season three. But I'd say season one and season two, you could go just fine and, and not have seen the movies, but still find these episodes quite enjoyable. Season three, it's going to be a little bit more refreshing if you have watched the movies, because there were some things that I had forgot and only watched one and two. I hadn't watched three. There were some things that I didn't know that would have helped me better understand more quickly on season three but season one and season two you could go into it in the dark and you could be totally entertained by what you're seeing all right cool yeah because i mean like i saw the karate kid okay I, it's not something i'd like go back and watch again i just like again it. i i didn't enjoy it man i didn't yeah. enjoy the movies they were just so overly cheesy but again that's what's so great about cobra kai because it takes that cheesiness and envelops it and embraces it and makes it good in a way that that you would have never thought possible so, I mean, I guess my big fear of, like, diving into this show is that, like, I will have to watch Karate Kid again, and I don't really want to do that, you know? It's, you don't it's, have to do it. Until season three. Until okay. season three. All season right, well, one and season two. Season one and season two, you don't. Season three, you kind of want to start to do that. Okay, well, hey, maybe I'll take some time and dive into this show. I mean, you seem very fond of it, so I'll, maybe I'll, I'll give it a watch. However much I disliked the Karate Kid movies, I like cobra kai i'll give it to you like that all right no that makes perfect sense i just like you know i i don't want to go back and take the time to watch karate kid i just have other things i'd rather do you know 
Well, I mean, if you're familiar at all with the story of the first one, then you don't really have to go back and watch that one. I think even season three, if you understand what Johnny is to the story and what Ralph Macchio's character is to the story, then you get it. You understand what happened as far as the first one. The second and third movies, you may have to do refresher course and for just for season three. That's uh, that's all best. I'll give everybody spoilers on that. But other than that, I think you're you're good because the second and third movies were not as watched, so there people are not as familiar with the characters and events that happened in those two movies. So the season three might come off as a little. Hmm. I wonder why that's taking place. Hmm. Okay. And the series does an okay job of trying to help you along that lines. If you haven't seen the movies with integrating flashbacks, doesn't give you a flashback per se, like, okay, Josh, you're talking about this. Then you go to a dream sequence or a flashback sequence for the next five minutes, which I know you'd love. Actually, you don't, but I know you just love to say that you don't love it, but it does a job of integrating it with what they're talking about in the here and now. You'll see like maybe a, a flashback off to the side while they're talking. Like, let's say you and I were talking about an episode two years ago. It would be actually flashing that episode concurrently while we're talking about it. They do a good job of doing that. So you don't have to, in the first two seasons primarily, watch the, the movies in order to go ahead and say, you know what, I'm really entertained by what I see. Okay, because I mean, I have heard nothing but great things about this show, and I just have had a hard time motivating myself into. I try to motivate you now. Three I know, years. Now. I know, man. I know, and uh, now I like. Maybe I'm ready to take that leap. I got to finish Mandalorian first. Maybe Cobra Kai will be next on that list. You know. And you know what it did for me? You know what that really got me entertained and get, got me into this series? It's William Zabka's character, Johnny, who all these years later. He is exactly grown up the way you think he would have grown up after such a devastating defeat in the first movie. Because everybody, if you haven't seen the movie by now, but since 1984, you haven't heard what's gone on in the movie by now, then sorry, that's the only spoiler I'll give right now. But his life has gone exactly the way you would expect it to be. And the way he portrays Johnny is great. I mean, he's not going to give you the emoting or emotional performance all the way around that you would see of a great method actor, but he portrays the role in exactly the way Johnny Lawrence would act in that type of situation here and now. And Johnny Lawrence is the character, the bully from the first movie. So he portrays it beautifully. And that's really makes this series go. It has really done a great job of that. And also blending in later in life, Ralph Macchio's character and seeing how his career from being the hero to going to the villain to becoming the hero once again and you follow his career and his life and his character as the series has progressed it's become more interesting as well so yeah it's it's great and again the teen drama part doesn't become overly cheesy it doesn't overstay its welcome and again it's just it's really a lot of fun to watch all right, cool. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll check it out. I mean, what? okay, give us your out of 10 rating for this new season. Well, I rated Cobra Kai 10 out of 10 for season one. For season two, I rated about an eight out of 10 because it was really good up until the last episode or two with the world's longest karate fight, which I thought was a little bit overdone. But yeah, I still give it a strong eight, a very strong eight, and actually ended up on the back end of my top 10 list of TV shows for 2019. 
for this one, I'm going to put it right smack dab in the middle. I'm going to say it's a nine out of 10 because it is very, very good. And it tells backstories of people you didn't even know you wanted to see backstories on. It, it brings the characters you have completely forgotten about from the legacy. It builds ca new characters and builds strength on those as well. So it really does a great job of doing a balancing act between the old and the new. And I really, really enjoyed my time with it. Okay. So, I mean, minus that one point, does that mean that it does have its flaws? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. There's a couple logistical flaws in it. Okay. We're going to explain this. There's all these super fans out there of Karate Kid that's been waiting for years. What happened to this? What happened to this? They answer it, but there's one particular question that they kind of just like said it and just like brushed it under the rug and moved on, which kind of leave you like, eh, I don't think that was the most satisfying way. But again, there's small little nitpicks because season three was outside of that, again, does a great job of balancing act between the old and the new and I highly recommend it. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, hey, you guys, everyone heard it out there. Cobra Kai, check it out. But that is Cobra Kai season three. Again, highly recommended. So hopefully give it a chance. In fact, I'm expecting everybody to be giving a chance because Josh, get this. Last year, when Netflix bought out Cobra Kai from YouTube, because YouTube abandoned its shows as far as doing original programming, it abandoned that concept. I'm assuming because of price or whatnot, even though millions had already watched Cobra Kai episodes, they dropped it on Netflix and it became one of the 10 most popular shows of the year on Netflix. So that'll tell you right there, they already uh, renewed it for season four. So there's always going to be a season four on the way, even before this drops. So that's a great sign for people who absolutely love the show. All right, cool. All right. What are your thoughts out there on Cobra Kai season three? I've watched it. I've binged through it. So I want to hear your thoughts out there. How good for you was season three of Cobra Kai? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. We talked about binge watching as I just did with Cobra Kai because they dropped the season, season three right there on Netflix. And Netflix has a habit of now of doing that for several years where they've dropped shows the entire season at one time. I want to ask you this, Josh, we're in 2021 now, back in 2016, 2017, 2018, even 2019, when we're all in our busy lifestyle doing this and doing that, maybe it was really beneficiary for the Netflix style of seasons to just drop an entire season's worth right there for you. Other streaming services have followed suit in some fashion, some dropping a full season, some dropping three or four episodes, some just dropping in the case of Disney plus ignoring it altogether and just going back to the traditional once per week. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend on this, when it comes to streaming television, and the TV shows that you like to watch, what is your preference? Dropping it all at one time or on a week-by-week -week basis? 
I like to have them all at once. I mean, I, I know that that's not considered like classy viewing to some people. I think we were talking about this on the show. They're trying to break away from the term binge watching because it just sounds like dirty TV. But I mean, I, I like that style. You know, I, I like to be able to sit and get the story all in one place because chances are like someone like me, I don't have time to watch TV every time they drop an episode. You know, if I'm watching TV, it's probably because I have a couple hours to do that before, you know, something else comes up that I got to take care of. So I like having the freedom to watch two or three episodes in one sitting. But for some people, I know they like that. But I mean, I also, on the other hand, I think it defeats the whole purpose of having a streaming network, right? If you're going to have something that just drops in installments, say like the the Mandalorian did that, if I remember correctly, if you're going to have something that drops in installments like that, why is it on a streaming service and why isn't it just on network television? I mean, for me in 2018, 2019, as it got my life and, and the shows that I now produce, it got even more prevalent and more prevalent and got busier and busier. I could agree with you. I could set one point in time during the course of the month and I'll go ahead and I'll watch it all. In fact, you know, I had to do that now with Cobra Kai. I didn't have to do it, but I wanted to do it because it got me just prepared for the show. I could talk about it. I know that's something I wanted to go ahead and do. And that's something for my sake for doing the show. Sometimes it's necessary to go ahead and binge watch the whole thing. So I have a good opinion on it going forward. But I think more and more right now, now that more of us are confined to our homes for a lot longer period of time, more of us are working from home, more of us are being more cautious about going out and being more adventurous out there because of what's going on still to this day with the coronavirus and all that. I know a lot of people loved going back to the event television. I know when I spoke to Chris and Dom Lardieri, who helped me out with the uh, season two, as far as for the Mandalorian, and we talked about that, I know that their preference was to go ahead and have the week by week basis that it was great for event television because we don't have that much in our lives anymore. The event television, the, the chance that we could all as a family, something we truly appreciate, gather around that one time a week. We schedule, we talk about it, we look forward to it. That one time a week, we could go ahead and do that. Cobra Kai for me was getting to the point for a lot of people out there, especially for Netflix users, that it was becoming event television for them. And this is something that was very highly anticipated. I think maybe it would have been better for Netflix as one of its high-profile shows to maybe say, you know what, we're going to grease this for all it's worth and release it week by week by week. I could see the same thing for Stranger Things. You know what, that's event television right now for Netflix. You could do the same thing for that as well. Okay, so I mean, I guess it depends on the show. Like Stranger Things, I could not watch it as event television because I would lose my mind. It's just it, every episode feeds into the other. But, you know, speaking to what you're talking about here, like I, I am somebody, even in pandemic times, even in COVID times, like my life has just become that much busier with all the extra steps that I have to add on to my normal day just to go about my normal day, you know? So... You know, I have even less time now to watch TV than I did before pandemic started. So it, it's it's one of those it's a double edged sword, I guess. Like Game of Thrones was something I didn't have an issue waiting to watch just because like it was 
you know, it feels every episode felt like a movie, you know, every episode was like anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half. And that's fine. But like, you know, something like Stranger Things, back to your example, every episode is 42 to 45 minutes. Like, I don't think I'd be able to not binge that. But again, like when I have a couple hours to watch things, like I want to watch as much of those things as I can, because who knows when I'm going to have time to sit down again and watch it. And I know that I'm not the only person in that boat, but I also know that there are people who are on the opposite side of that where like they do have time and this is a nice little thing for them. Streaming services came out so you could watch all these shows at once. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a hard thing, man. I, I just like, but to me, like, I don't, again, I don't have a lot of time and it's just nice to be able to watch as many of these episodes as I can at once. True. True. But again, you lose that event television type deal. And in a couple of weeks, WandaVision is going to drop. And that's the first Marvel event of any kind since, what, Spider-Man? Far From Home? I mean, that's something that we've been waiting over a year. Can you believe it? It's been over a year since any type of Marvel entity on entertainment. And no, I'm not considering the Hellstrom from Marvel on Hulu as one of being something I think a lot of people anticipated for because they didn't. And that got canceled because of it. But the actual Marvel that we're looking at, and I'm very excited for it, man, but it's going to be shown in a week-by-week fashion. They're going to stretch this out. Disney Plus is going to stretch this out. I think for me and for a lot of people out there watching, I'm okay with the fact that it's going to be patterned similarly to what we saw with The Mandalorian on Fridays, dropping episode by episode week by week yeah i and and you know at the end of the day like it's gonna happen whether like i'm okay with it or not i'm just somebody that likes to watch things all in one sitting with something like wandavision you know i i can see that being event television again game of thrones i can see being event television like it really depends on what the show is but yeah, if it's a smaller show that you like i remember right. you talking about some other shows in the past that you've liked that not everybody else is caught. I know you would, that would probably be preferable to you since it caters to someone of your demographic that you would just like to see it all in one loop. Right. Okay. So here's another thing though. If you are designing a show to specifically be event television, then that's a whole other case in itself. Like WandaVision, right? If you're designing it to specifically be released weekly, then that's a whole different story. But if you're taking something that has already been quote unquote bingeable and then you're turning it into event television, that's that is is frustrating to me. That that idea is frustrating to me. But if you're building something from the ground up, again, Game of Thrones, right? Or a lot of the stuff on HBO designed to be event television, then that is that's a whole different story in itself because you're already knowing going into this show with the idea and the anticipation building that you're going to have to wait a week to watch the next one. Well, it's something that I know is going to be continued to be talked about. I think right now, though, it is in the best interest for all these streaming outlets to follow a similar path to Disney Plus, because I'm going to be honest with you, Josh, right now with the uncertainty still of productions. In fact, if you were in an LA show this week and where we're from, SoCal and all that, you had to stop filming and possibly for a week even more because of what's gone right now with Southern California and it's halting of productions due to the coronavirus. So we're going to see halts in production continue to happen. If that's the case, 
you're going to see productions come out a little bit more slowly and a little bit more slowly. And if that's the case, for, it's been t- until they catch up, you might have to see all these streaming outlets, including Netflix, go to a week-by-week basis. I think that would be totally understandable if that's the case. Just so we have a regular line of content coming through. Yeah, I mean, and again, like that's Amazon has done that with a few of their shows, right? The Grand Tour is a great example of that. They've had the last episode they released a couple of weeks ago has been in the bank for months, but they just kept it out of a fear of a shortage of content. Like, But then the boys, they did like a halfway type deal. What they did the first three or four episodes they put mm-hmm. out and then they did week by week by week. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I get it in terms of, of COVID because like this, again, could possibly be the new norm where everything's on and off like that. So, I mean, I don't know. You're throwing all these technicalities in there. I, I still stand by <laughs> my, you know, I stand by my opinion, but I guess I could be understanding if there's something involving COVID going on. I'm sorry to throw all these technicalities. Out, but you know what? I mean, if you're, if we're running Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, CBS All Access, you have to look at all the parameters before you go ahead and say what is best for our consumer base, what is best for a clientele, what is best to retain. And that's the key right now. It's not just getting like HBO Max got a ton of new subscribers, like Disney Plus got a ton of new subscribers with Wonder Woman 1984 and Soul. It's how can we keep those subscribers there over the course of a period of time? And that's the big question. And a lot of them have to look at that going forward as far as how they go ahead and stream. So I'm going to ask you out there, to binge or not to binge? That is the question I pose to you this time around when it comes to how you want to watch your shows in 2021. We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, Josh and I are going to talk about my most anticipated Plus, I hope he has some more that he wants to go ahead and see as well as far as the most anticipated things in pop culture we want to see in 2021. Plus, on the very back end at the end of the show, we want to go ahead and talk about Star Citizen and is it failing its customer base? We'll talk about Star Citizen coming up on the back end of the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson. Joshy New Year to you, everyone. Wanted to go ahead and drop off my thoughts on the most anticipated things I want to see in 2021. Cobra Kai season three was one of them, but I already checked it out. So that's one slot already filled for my most anticipated. But Josh, I want to ask you this. I know you had mentioned two things when it comes to video games already. And that was the Mass Effect Trilogy Legendary Edition, which you know is got to be number one on my list. But Halo Infinite is not far behind. And you and I didn't really have a problem with Halo Infinite when they had the first showcase of it. I think Microsoft backed off a little bit. They got a little scared after the response to the initial video trailer for Halo Infinite. 
but I also know there was a lot of work as well. I am still eagerly anticipating Halo Infinite, and I know you are as well. I thought it looked okay, and I don't know whether the voices were like people being overly critical or if it was, you know, the the Sony fanboys seem to be the loudest in the uh, video game debate. So, but I mean, if I'm looking at it, you know, I was hoping that they would be watching what happened to Cyberpunk and they would choose not to release it on old consoles too, but then they just backed up that claim on, I think it was last week, right? When they said they're still making it for older generation consoles. So, I mean, right now I'm glad they took the extra time because it's very possible like they could have been cyberpunk before cyberpunk was cyberpunk, you know? So funny because I always chuckle when you say Sony fanboys and you accused me last week of being a Sony fanboy and I was laughing so hard at my own mind because as I constantly tell people, the best console of the last generation was the Xbox One S, which was the best value for the money. So... I don't know how I could be a Sony fanboy for that. Maybe it's because of the fact I love Uncharted so much. So we'll go ahead and give it to you on that. But I will say Halo Infinite, I'm very excited for. Mass Effect Trilogy Legendary Edition, I'm very excited, but I'm also very concerned because this is my number one product. Obviously, our love for Mass Effect is there. Are you concerned that they're not going to put too much effort into this Legendary Edition? No, actually, I'm not concerned because this is kind of a make it or break it for them. There's obviously some turmoil going on at BioWare. I don't know if that has anything to do with EA, but this is a big moment for them because much like Master Chief Collection reinvigorated people's dead interest in Halo after Halo 3, or was it Halo 4, I think. Uh, But Mass Effect uh, Andromeda was... I think it was Halo 4. Halo 4. Mass Effect Andromeda was such a flop that like people weren't willing to go back to that Thing anytime soon even when there were whispers of a remaster coming out several years ago that it didn't have as much excitement as it did now like now is the time to release a new mass effect you have people clamoring for it and if this game does not demonstrate the love and care that people are expecting for mass effect then it's going to really just wreck any interest there is in a new mass effect title however many months down the line they plan to release it I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to it more than any other video game, but Halo Infinite is not far behind. Far Cry 6, and even though Giancarlo Esposito is no longer the hottest actor on the planet, because you have to say right now, Pedro Pascal, I think, is the hottest actor on the planet right now, because he's doing a lot when it comes to Wonder Woman 1984 and The Mandalorian, and he just had one movie drop on Netflix, and he's got a lot of other things on his play. So I'm going to say Pedro Pascal is the hottest actor or actress right now in, in Hollywood, ahead of Giancarlo, but not by much. But Giancarlo playing the bad guy, I guess the dictator in Far Cry 6, and what you have to do in there is, is going to be very interesting. Deathloop is going to be something that's also very interesting as far as from the video game front. Do you remember Deathloop at all? I think the concept of reliving an Assassin's game or where you're set, you go after these targets and if you don't do it in the right fashion or if you die, the whole day goes over again and loops into that. Very interested and intrigued in this concept. Have you had a chance to go ahead and check out Deathloop at all? Or do you remember it from our E3 previews, I think, last year? Yeah, no, I remember it from E3. I I don't seem to have a lot of interest in this one, but I'm intrigued by the story. This is the one where, like, you have assassins coming after you, right? Like, you have targets Mm -hmm. you got to hit, but you also have people coming after you. And, you you know, they, they kill you in different ways, so there's no, like, set way that they come after you. 
yeah this is one that like i'm intrigued by it but i'm not like stoked about it, if that makes sense far Cry, yeah. on the other hand i am kind of excited about that one another game that i'm very interested in seeing right now is dungeons and dragons dark alliance which is something that hasn't gotten as much news information on this yet but it's supposed to be coming out in 2021 although we know that's always subject to change but it reminds me a lot of the old days with gauntlet and a four-player co-op action rpg type format that i'm intrigued about maybe it is the true successor to what we've seen and experienced before with gauntlet and gauntlet legacy and all that and i know there were some pretty under the radar games with the dungeons dragons name during the course of the early 2000s in the late 1990s there was a couple that i really enjoyed playing which totally went under the radar but i'm looking forward to going ahead and maybe even with you my friend going forward with Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance, because again, it's going to be an RPG, but it's more like an action RPG with four players, which is something I'm really looking forward to. I have seen the videos and it looks cool. Dungeons & Dragons games have, they are okay, right? I mean, it's it's kind of the same concept as like how the Star Wars games used to be, right? They would come out, there's a lot of them. They were okay. I mean, they weren't like anything you brag about to your friends, but they were fun to play with your friends. Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance, especially coming out on newer platforms, I think that it, it the only thing that might be standing in its way is the fact that it has the Dungeons & Dragons name attached to it, which might make people feel a little intimidated by it on the off chance that they are afraid of the story continuity. So they need to be like really clear that this this is its own thing. You know, you don't need to have any history with this franchise before picking it up because it does look like a really cool game. I agree with you on that. Like, It does have that license name, but... It is something that's going to be more aching to those who loved Gauntlet from the past or Gauntlet Legacy or those that really want to get into a four-player co-op or just a co-op environment. And that's something that I think is missing. Again, we had that for a while. We had a lot of co-op games come out for a while, and they've kind of tailed off in recent note because it's been more multiplayer, competitive, or Among Us, which has garnered a lot of acclaim. And then you've had like Animal Crossing, where it's a lot of people interacting with each other, or you've had the self-contained stories, but you haven't had a lot of traditional true co-op games come out as of recent times, or at least we haven't talked about it. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, the 360, if I remember correctly, was the last like true era of couch co-op. Yeah. A lot of stuff, Gears and Halo. Do you think that we're going to see a next-gen gauntlet game? I would love to. I mean, we saw one in the previous cycle, Gauntlet Try to Return, and that fell pretty hard and got some bad reviews. It wasn't exactly the, the what we were hoping for. I think because it, it, first off, it didn't really have the top-down view to the way we liked Gauntlet. I, I think it, just this balance between nostalgia and making it for a modern audience. We're seeing it now with Cobra Kai and how they reinvented it but yet held true to a lot of the things that went on. So they were able to find that balance between old and new, nostalgia and modern. With If Gauntlet comes out, it's going to have to try and balance that fine line as well. So like what I wouldn't mind with a new Gauntlet game is having the ability to switch between top-down and first-person because, I mean, you know, you want to bring in both generations of gamers, and I think that would be the right way to do it. But anyways, I agree. speculation and hearsay. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a new Gauntlet game. 
I'm still hoping for the day that we could actually experience uh, like a Skyrim or an Oblivion Elder Scrolls type game. Yeah, I understand they've got an Elder Scrolls MMO and it does have some of those elements, but I would love to see something as deep, which I don't think the Elder Scrolls Online MMO has, something as deep and rich story-wise as the Oblivion, as the Skyrim type deals and going in with it like four people. But you have that huge expansive world that I don't think the Elder Scrolls Online MMO has. Uh, if you could do that with three or four people, that would be really cool. But wanted to go ahead and touch on some films that I'm interested in. Obviously, with my girls in the house that are super huge fans, I got to lead off with my first and foremost movie I'm most excited for, and that's Black Widow. No Time to Die. We're going to see the end of Daniel Craig as far as the 007 movies, and we'll see where the 007 character goes from there. The Kingsman is something went totally under the radar, Josh, but it's something you and I have been excited about as far as the franchise, and the Kingsman seemed very intriguing. I don't expect it to do gangbusters like the rest of the Kingsman series, but I expect it to tell a good origin story and hopefully garner enough interest for future Kingsman movies going forward. To me, what matters is like being able to return to the world of the Kingsman because that's a world that I truly enjoy. I honestly, I didn't like Kingsman 2 that much. You know, I thought it was okay, but it just like it, it felt so far removed from like the London gangster movie of the, like the first one was, or not gangster, but you, you know what I mean? Like the way the movie made you feel it, like it felt so far removed from it. It had elements that were good, you know, and I liked the introduction of the American Bureau, but I don't know. There's something really special about the first Kingsman movie. And I feel like this new one is kind of a return to what made that movie so special. And I well, really remember taking place in World War One, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, like it keeps it confined to the UK and, you know, obviously where they went to in World War One. I. I mean, that's kind of what made the first one because i like those british movies like that you know like snatch and lockstock and, movies like uh, and that's why i know you like the first one especially because yeah. it started off in that realm but it became more of the super spy format in number two and that's yeah. what i think is going to lead into going forward because uh, i think that's what it, it has to i think the kingsman series goes for is that super spy element because i think it's just broader things that you could go ahead and reach upon the destruction of the world and all that type, because you know that that's what happens with each and every Kingsman. It's like, okay, something that's impacting the world. It's really going to be hard to do that within the confines of such a smaller right. scale story of if you're doing, dealing with that environment. Yeah. And I, I totally, I totally get that. I, I, I just like, to me, less is more, you know, I'm one of those people, but Again, you know, it's like I get that things have to evolve in order to move on. But yes, I am really excited about the Kingsman. Also as well, we're excited about Mission Impossible 7. If Tom Cruise can stop yelling at people, maybe we can get that movie done. But then again, he did it for a good reason. He's, you know, he's trying to be safe, you know, obviously trying to stay within safety protocols. But the tone and tenor obviously set a lot of people in different ways for that from his shouting at the the staff but it's still expected for a november release date i know you're supposed to be filming those mission impossible movies back to back and i'm not sure if that's still going to be the case or whatnot but mission impossible 7 is still as of this time going to be delivered in november for audiences so we'll see if that actually happens matrix 4 i think there's a lot of people like me that are curious 
will it go back into a positive direction for the series as opposed to what we saw from two and three? I don't remember your thoughts on Matrix. I know we've talked about this before, but did you like two and three? Because I know I'm in the majority of the individuals that saw the declining returns of, of the series. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I totally saw it decline. I mean, the second one was entertaining. The third one was just kind of talky, 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 talky. Talking, but it's like when you watch a candle go until it just burns out and stops like that. It's what the third one was for me. Whereas the second one was like, okay, I mean, it's it's cool to see all these characters again and all that. And then the first one was like really cool, you know? Matrix 3 was like, okay, let me just throw a philosophy class at you and see what sticks. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, it's like being in a class that you really like. You know, you really like the class, but you would rather be doing something else, you know? <laughs> Fair. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough, indeed. But Matrix 4 is going to be coming out, or at least scheduled to come out this year. And that is going to be, I believe, day and date on HBO Max. So look out for that there. Dune, which may or may not be day and date with HBO Max, not if Legendary has anything to say about it because they're suing HBO Max over the decision. But we're hoping still it will reach its end date, I believe, in late 2021 if it comes about. So I'm looking forward to that. I know Josh is as well. We've already talked about that on the show. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely, Josh and I, as not only martial arts fans, but Marvel fans, and finally combining those two elements into something spectacular, as we're hoping that's going to be the case. Has your enthusiasm lessened for Shang-Chi? No, not at all. I hope what would really make Iron Man 3 a little more special after all these years is if they were to somehow, like, have a reference to the Ten Rings in that. And like, I would love to see um, Ben Kingsley. Oh, Ben Kingsley, Sir Ben Kingsley. Yeah, I would love to see like him have a small cameo in that movie. Oh, he will. I think he will. Because like, I don't know if you've ever like, remember how in when the DVDs or Blu-rays came out, they had Marvel one shots. You remember yep. those? Yep. Yeah, there was one where he was in prison and he was being interviewed and he was actually one of the camera guys was part of the 10 rings. And so, yep. yeah, I just, it would be cool to have like a, a callback to that. And you don't know the true finality if his character got off or not. So you will have to wait and see what happens with that. But yeah, I would certainly could see a Sir Ben Kingsley cameo in Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. I'm looking forward to that. But those are the video games and movies that we're looking forward to in 2021. Of course, there's a ton more, and we'll be reporting it throughout the year on Pop Culture Cosmos. But when we return, we're going to close out the show with TV shows that I'm looking forward to, plus also as well, Star Citizen. Could it be failing its customers? We're going to talk about that as we close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis and we're back to close out the show this is the pop culture cosmos want to thank you so much for listening and watching right here worldwide on pop culture cosmos if you have any questions for us always popculturecosmos at yahoo.com 
But getting back into it, as far as the TV shows that I'm looking forward to, I know, Josh, Marvel, 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 Marvel. But with Star Wars not hitting until the end of this year, unless Andor, is that scheduled for 2021? Okay, so we got for 2021, The Bad Batch and The Book of Boba Fett. And then Andor is 2022. Okay. Early 2022 at some point. The Bad Batch I could get into, but I'll have to wait and see on that one. That one, you really have to watch The Clone Wars and gotten into the whole thing on there. So that I think yeah. you're a bigger fan of The Clone Wars than I am on that. So I'm I'm going to have to go ahead and give that a shot. But WandaVision, cannot wait two weeks now. Looking forward to that. In March, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're really looking forward to that. Stranger Things Season 4. We've talked about that already for Netflix and how they're already getting off to a great start with Cobra Kai Season 3. Stranger Things Season 4 is a long time in coming, and I know a lot of people are excited for that, including myself. Hawkeye is something that I am definitely looking forward to because I am a fan of Hawkeye. I know that Hawkeye, for a lot of people, have been either off or on as far as being in favor of him as a character i think that i'm looking forward to jeremy renner seeing him on the screen again as hawkeye and then also handing it over to kate bishop the character that has taken over the mantle of hawkeye as we lead into a young avengers which is on the horizon then you have loki this is the wild card for me man i'm going to tell you right now this is either going to be the best or the worst of the disney plus series because there's so much that could be done with the series. What are your thoughts on Loki? They seem to have made him the anti-hero. And then from anti-hero, he's going to have to go to like being the hero. So, I mean, I feel like they're trying to make you like him with like the ways that they've been doing it. You know, making him like the lovable villain. But also like by doing that, they're kind of changing the dynamic of the character and turning him into essentially a Marvel hero. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that loop eventually comes back around to the MCU at all. And he's back in the movies in some capacity. It'd be very interesting to see how that happens. It's so funny. This was supposed to be a one-off character, I believe, at one time, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, look at the fan reception. People love Loki. And it's Hiddleston. That's a credit to Hiddleston. He's just done such an outstanding job. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even in Thor 2 which you and I have, have always debated on, but Thor 2 is the dark world is considered by many to be the worst of the, of the Marvel movies. Even his performance there was one of the few highlights of that movie. And I know you are one of the defenders of that are out there. One of the few defenders. You got to be honest with that, but you got to admit that one of the best parts was Loki in that movie. And obviously his character has always seemed to be amazing each and every time out it's like we never get tired of him. We never get tired of his actions. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they did a great job of at developing him, you know, especially look at Thor 1. He, was the, he played such a tragic villain. Thor 2, like, they developed his character really well, and, like, the, that redemption arc is just second to none, you know? Like, it is such a great redemption arc. And then they go into Thor 3, and they like almost completely undo everything that they did with his character in Thor too, which was kind of disappointing to me, but then they like redeemed him again in infinity war. Yeah. And so like his, his character has been a roller coaster and they've done a great job with him. but I don't like the unraveling and then re-raveling of his character over and over again, like send him on a path and let him like keep on that path 
But then again, that's his character to a T when you think about it. Yeah, I know. It's I mean, and it's in just it's in his nature. But I mean, do it in a way that like makes watching his previous stuff not feel like a waste of time. But Loki is scheduled to come out this year as well, right after Falcon and Winter Soldier. Plus, also the What If series are coming out as well, which is also going to be very interesting to watch, but for altogether different reasons. But it's going to be a great year for a lot of shows out there that I'm looking forward to on Disney Plus, on Netflix, and many other outlets we're going to be talking about and we got to be talking about over the course of the next year. What TV shows, films, and video games, or anything else from pop culture are you looking forward to in 2021? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, Josh, it's been a great episode. It's always great catching up with you for an entire hour here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. But before we head on out, my friend, I want to fill up the last few minutes talking about Star Citizen, because this is something that hasn't gotten off in 2021 to a good start, because it was going to have a campaign beta of Star Citizen Squadron 42 coming by the end of 2020. Didn't make it. No release plans at all were mentioned as far as the delay is concerned for 2021. This is something very concerning to a lot of people because this is one of the premier video games for altogether different reasons. It's not backed by a studio with financing galore. It's not backed by a major Hollywood name. It's not backed by a major name in the industry. This is backed by people like you and I that have crowdfunded this game more than any other video game in history. And it is one of the most expensive, as of this recording, expensive video games in history at over $330 million in funding. And that's all by people like you and I. So I want to hear your thoughts. A lot of people are ticked off right now that they haven't even gotten a beta. And there's no clear definition in sight on when this game could actually finally appear in their hands. I don't think it's ever going to appear. You know, I think it's going to be one of those things that like we look back as like whatever that four player fable game was, you know, we see Fable Legends. Fable Legends like it was a really cool thing, a lot of really cool videos, really cool concept, but at the end of it we're not going to get to see it. And this game it has a bunch of star power behind it. And so like, I don't understand like why, if it has that much pool, like why can't they get this game done? You know, why can't they recruit more people to get this done or get more, more funding to get it done from some of these big names that they've recruited for the game? Like if it were just an indie game, you know, it truly were like a super meat boy type thing where people are funding it. Like that's a whole other story, but like, it seems weird that so much money has been invested into it and there's no beta or test or release date in sight. It's very shameful that this has happened. I mean, we've seen this more and more often in the video game industry, but this is a little bit different because of the fact that it is fully funded. You mentioned Fable Legends. It's not something that like Fable Legends, Microsoft can just go ahead, chalk it up as a 50, 75, $100 million loss in development and just call it a day and write it off on his taxes and go on to something else. This is something that is the entire basis for this studio right now. And this is something that Star Citizen and its offshoot games, the the games are, what is that? It's going to be like Star Citizen and then there's having something else that they're also developing. Is that correct? 
so Star Citizen is the big universe, like the big multiplayer universe, and then Squadron Forty Two was supposed to be the single player okay. story campaign. Okay. So Squadron Forty Two is the campaign portion of it, and Star Citizen is the overarching platform of it, which includes the the multiplayer and all that. So Squadron Forty Two is the campaign beta that they were supposed to release at the end of 2020 that just didn't get it done. I say that's a problem. I say that's something very concerning. And for a future going forward, we could see some legal action come under play very soon. I mean, we've seen yeah. it with CD Projekt Red, which you and I had some issues back and forth before we started about whether or not that was really right to do or not. But this is something I think that everyone can back on. If, if you've promised and not delivered anything, that could be a real problem. Well, the big issue here is that I mean, I, I don't, it's not, to me, the, the issue is not having this delayed beta. It's the fact that they're not giving a date for when a beta might be done and they're not showing any video They're Like he's straight up refusing to show video pictures or anything to even show people that this game is in development. And he's, I don't know, he's blaming it. He's saying it's because of spoilers and he's saying, and that's a uh, creator, Chris Roberts. Just yeah, to... yeah. And they're, they're saying that they're close to the home stretch, but th it's just he's saying it'll be done when it's done. And like with all the money that's been invested in this, it just seems very fishy to me. It seems very fishy to me as well. And we've already seen crowdfunding projects which have gone awry because of greed or something unforeseen has happened that has caused projects to be canceled, return money. Sometimes it's not returned and lawsuits have to happen, litigation. We've seen state governments crack down on some of these games and titles because the crowdfunding wasn't returned and things of that nature. And it could come to the point with Star Citizen and if Squadron 42 is not released in some sort of beta or Star Citizen, the multiplayer version of it, not released in some sort of beta, at least in the not too distant future, we could see some serious repercussions for this. And the video game industry is already reeling from the bad publicity that has been garnered by Cyberpunk 2077 and its failure to go ahead and deliver as promised to all the gamers out there, whatever system you have. And this is certainly not going to help the cause for the video game industry going forward. People are going to have less and less faith in these projects. Yeah, I mean, and again, especially in the, uh, you know, the crowdfunding era, a lot of people, the, the indie game industry runs on crowdfunding. So, I mean, if this is a bad example, and I think people are going to be less likely to give to future projects from people who are actually going to fulfill their work. $330 million, my friend. I think we could come up with a video game, and I think we could have it finished in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, it's crazy. $330 million. Jeez. Absolutely. It's one of the most expensive games already ever made. And if it does come to fruition, we'll tell you our thoughts on it. But we're not holding out hope. But at least we didn't spend money on it. But I know a lot of people out there have. And if you have and you're really upset or if you were really looking forward to even trying out a beta of Squadron 42 for Star Citizen, we want to hear your thoughts on your disappointment with the whole Star Citizen debacle as of this point in time. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for stopping by as always, but any last thoughts on the way out? 
I mean, I think we covered everything. Hopefully we see a release date for uh, Star Citizen at some point in the next lifetime before we leave this Earth. So, uh, you know, here's to hoping for the best, right? Here is hoping for the best, not only for Star Citizen, Squadron 42, its consumers that backed it, but for everything that we hope to be seeing and experiencing in pop culture for 2021. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. My name is Mark McCray, and I'm the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. I'm Dan Klink, co-host of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives features programming trends from the 1966 television season all the way through the last hurrah of the early digital age of the 1990s. On the show, if it's animated, we talk about it. Order your signed copy today at tbsool.com. And listen to the podcast at esonetwork.com and all podcast platforms. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.